My name is Dante Hardyman, and this is going to be my Introduction to Psychology Critical Reflection 2. Uh, this is going to be on how we can change school systems to be better for the students and learning, and also it's going to be a reflection on the Rosenham-Jacobson Positive Power of Expectations. Start off with question one. I wanted to have a quote. It says, Service to others is the only thing that keeps the self loathing to a tolerable level. Now, I heard this quote in a show called Sons of Anarchy, which is kind of irrelevant because I think that the quote is very powerful in a sense. Uh, from what I understood from it, it's everybody in life has a level of self loathing to an extent, whether it's because of the circumstance that we find ourselves in or maybe guilt of an action that you have done. To some degree, some more than others, we have this feeling. So I think that's very true that we're stepping outside of that belief of self-loathing against ourselves to go and help somebody else to maybe help them feel better and lose that self-loathing against themselves. So with that, I think that to a degree, the self-loathing can be, man, what am I doing with my life? I don't know what I'm going to do for school. I don't know where I'm going to be after school. I don't know what job I'm going to do. And I think this, a lot of this comes from schools going on to say, you need to be in university or college right after school. For me, the best thing that happened was to take a four-year break from high school afterwards, help me work many different jobs, work with different people from everywhere. And it really just helped me tune into what I wanted to do. So I think if we start that early on by putting kids in pre-K younger than, you know, before you go to high school or even primary, better yet, it really gets that human interaction right off the bat. And I think that it helps with problem solving and everything because you're meeting kids who are raised different than you. They have different ethics and core beliefs. So you're really getting right off the bat thrown into the mix and you're learning how to like communicate and be a active member of society uh, for lack of a better term and i think that just kicks you off in a right direction so when you're actually in school i think that a big reason that kids have such issues and stuff like that is because of like we said the extrinsic motivation so they're doing this potentially because they don't like want to do it they are just doing it because the grade they want to make their parents happy whatever the case may be so i think the main focus is to figure out a way that we can change from extrinsic to intrinsic because if it's intrinsic that's your motivation you're doing it for yourself you're doing it for your own benefits and beliefs and etc like that so i think the key to do that is is if kids find out who they are develop their own like ID of themselves like they know who they are they know more about themselves and they're more in touch with themselves than just going through the motions of every single day that is really going to help get that work to intrinsic because if you know I'm a people person I want to help people I want to help animals whatever the case may be you're now not doing it for the grades you're doing it for the grade to make your life better for you and your future and long-term goals. So with that, you got to get that experience under your belt to learn what you do like and what you don't like to do. So I think there should almost be a human resources class of a sense where there's clinicals, something that gets the kids out in the world and engaged doing different types of jobs and stuff 
and I know this might sound crazy to be able to try to get kids out in a boat like that's very hard to manage but it's already being done at the school I went to by the O2 program it's specifically meant to get you into the field that you want to be and get to do jobs figure out what you do and don't want to do if you do figure out what you want to do quick enough they have a program set up so they can skip the wait list put you right into school boom done and you're good to go now of course that kind of goes against what i said like taking that time off for four years but the reason i think that it would be different is because instead of having the four years after school to figure out do these different jobs you've already done it in school like you've done your clinicals you've done these different jobs and you've really figured it out so i think that automatically is going to really fix the reward system in a sense you're not doing it for the grade you're doing it for yourself and in regards to the punishment sense i think that the punishment is very unique because i was watching a video about he's the most famous bank robber in uh, the uk and i know that sounds crazy to try to compare these two things but he uh he was wrongfully accused he did all these crimes and all this but then he was finally wrongfully accused and sent to jail for parts of the crime that he actually didn't commit so this kind of created an anger in him and this can happen in school you know maybe the person next to you is talking to you more than you were talking to them and you both get in trouble for talking and he said when he was in jail he just said you want a criminal i'll be the criminal and he said he tried to cause the most trouble there he could everything like that out of a spiteful sense and I think that can really happen with kids too, is that if you treat them like they're troublemakers and you treat them like they're always misbehaving, they're going to be what you act like they are. And I think that that really goes hand in hand with that video we watched where if you treat the kid like they're the smartest kid and you treat them like they're going to be something great and have good grades, the evidence is there. They did it. The kids that they didn't think were going to not do the best didn't do the best. So I think that's that like you're just instilling it in them by doing that. So maybe there wouldn't be as much of a punishment system needed if the kid is engaged and they're doing it for their intrinsic values and there's no idle time. Everyone in class is engaged and you're really going back and forth in conversations and everything like that. The kid's not gonna be on his phone in the class. They're not gonna be talking because they're gonna be going, like putting their full attention into the course. Uh, I think so. I think that's just. Uh, I think if you fix parts of the problem, it might kind of level itself out and really fix everything naturally. The next problem, I guess you could say, with the uh, school system is the basis that is surrounded by when you're uh, before middle school a lot of it you know you're a kid you're doing macro and you're, you're making funny art papers and stuff like that like nothing is really that serious in primary and anything like that it is about social interaction and it's about your own unique interests it's about reading the funny books that you like you're not sitting there trying to figure out calculus and how to regurgitate information and be trained to say exactly what the teacher wants to hear and try to just get by and memorize and everything like that that all starts in middle school when exams are introduced and the grade is the only thing that keeps you with your friends to go to the next level i think a great example of how we can do this better is our psychology class in and of itself of course we need grades right now because that's just how the system works but 
the education system that we have was produced so long ago in the grand scheme of how far our technology and advancement have come. You're not only able to get information from school now, you can watch edX, you can watch TED Talks, there are so many different ways. So I think it'd almost be better to transfer the way that the NSCC is working now to the high school. Give them questions and stuff like that. Give them their work, but allow them to kind of search for the information on their own. Teach them how to find a credible source, what websites are good, what websites may not be so credible, how to decipher the information through things that might be just ridiculous and not plausible in and of itself. And allow them to collaborate that information and almost use it freely. But of course, there's going to say, like, there's the problem, like, oh well then how do we actually train them to like say the right questions and answers keep them on track i think through the uh steps of teaching them you know how to use proper websites and stuff like that i think it'll just kind of fix itself in a sense um but i just think yeah like to learn self-learning capabilities and the change of information that goes on in the world and the problem solving i think that's just so much better than learning how to memorize and regurgitate because by the time you're an adult these problems and like crazy situations that you know that might arise that are totally unexpected a prime example of that being covid no way that they have taught you how to do anything is going to be able to teach you how to be staying on track when you're isolated by yourself how to get that work done like anything unpredictable like that so i think when kids have done what i said previously figured out who they want to be figured out what they want to do now they're at home doing stuff online now they've learned how to do things through you know independent research and they've learned how to filter through what might be wrong what might be right they can use this at home time more effectively in this new education that it is now with everything online because of you know the covid and i think that is just very crucial i think it would have been good if you know we had it before there would have been more faith in kids being able to stay home and do their online work and stuff like that. And I think like all of this stuff, like the outside class teaching and the self-research, it really trains people how to be critical learners and it trains them how to be effective learners because they're not regurgitating the information that they're told to. They're learning it in their brain. They're actually absorbing it. And what they're saying is what they have actually learned. The same way that we in the psych class I'm not regurgitating the definition of extrinsic and intrinsic. I have learned it. I know what it is. And we know how to apply it to our critical thinking the same way we're doing these critical reflections. And not only are we doing it, it's giving us the freedom to do it the way that we want to. As long as we're relatively on track with the concept to change the school, make the school better, figure out what we need to get rid of and what we need to keep you're gonna do relatively well but not one person in the class is gonna have the exact exact same thing said everybody's gonna have their own ideas and they're gonna get that creative expression and i think that really goes to that ted talk where that helps school not destroy a person's creativity and i think that freedom will allow them to still remain intact the way they are and prevent things like clayton is you know concerned about about them taking away certain unique aspects and traits of the kids so i think if we just learn how to filter out what we're learning actually apply it and absorb it and understand it 
and use this information for our intrinsic values because we're figuring out who we are, we're figuring out where we want to be. I think that's so much better than memorizing, regurgitating for that mark that we don't even know what we're going to do with right now. And if we're all engaged and eager, there might not be as much need of a punishment system. Transitioning into question two. So starting off with the method that they had used in the Pygmalion effect, power of positive expectations. So they essentially wanted to test what extent a teacher's expectations would actually affect the pupil's intellectual performance. So what they did is they tested everyone in the class with a test that pretended to predict the academic blooming of the student. They called it the Harvard Test of Intended Acquisition. And it was essentially a fake test, and based on the fake results, they went on to tell the teachers the names of these students that would get smarter in the following academic year. But the kids' names were actually taken at random out of a hat, I believe, and nobody had known this. So they had lied to the teachers and said all this, and then they had gone on to the students and not said anything. They told the teachers not to say anything. So it's kind of like a chain reaction. They lied to the teachers and then the teachers went on to the students just to monitor the results. So with that, the results followed up a year later into when they told the teacher that they would see the academic improvement. And these kids that they had chosen were actually showing greater intellectual gains. And the reason they believe that is because of the four reasons, climate factors, input factors, feedback factor and response so the climate factor being that the teachers create a warmer environment for the student they're going to be nicer to them they're going to give those non-verbal hints and motions to the student that's going to make them feel more comfortable and as you know when you're in a happier mood as the other ted talk had said when you're, you're more creative when you're positive so creating that positivity in the environment is now creating the student a better environment to be creative and learn so as that's going on the teacher's are going to teach more to the kids that they actually believe in. So they've kind of have this unknowing expectation of this child. So they're going to be maybe making more eye contact with the person that they're trying to teach it to. When the kid goes on to their response time, they're going to have more time to respond. The teacher's going to kind of collaborate with them to help them get to the same idea and actually reach to the point where they want them to be. And when they give that response, they're going to be more praised and they're going to receive a differentiating feedback when they say the wrong answer because the teacher has an expectation of them to actually say the right thing. So they're really going to be not necessarily held hand, but they're really going to be carried along in the sense that they're not expecting them or allowing them to say the wrong thing. They're going to help them get to the right answer together while also being nice to them. So it's really just a positive experience for the student. So without this happening to the other student, because if the teacher doesn't believe that they're going to do it, why are they going to quote unquote waste their time? Um, I can see how this would really be a thing because if you're told you're one thing over and over, it's similar to you are what you eat. If you keep thinking that you're going to produce that the same way that in class we talked about manifestation, you're kind of creating that for yourself. If you think you're stupid all the time, the second you don't understand it, you're going to feel defeated and you're going to give up. You're going to drop it. But if you're told by your teacher and you're given all these four things in a positive light, you're going to persevere. You're going to think, no, no, like I can do this. I can persevere through this. And you're going to keep pushing on. And maybe you're not even going to reach this point because the teacher has now gone behind and they have also helped you 
reach the point where they want you to be, so you are just kind of a better understanding than the child who has not. I think that um, it's a very accurate study in the sense that nobody knew. There was no outside influences or anything like that. It was a totally organic experiment, so there's really no way for it to be biased in any sense like that. And even in the sense of my own personal experiences, I think it's accurate. Um, teachers that didn't have a high expectation of me would likely be more um, hesitant to help because they don't think you're paying attention to class or whatever the case may be. Or when you go ask for help, it is very short answered. And that's going to create a domino effect. If you think you're getting the right answer in class when you're not, it's just because a teacher won't elaborate with you. When it comes to the exam time at the end of the year, and it's based on actual facts, you're going to be confident in getting it and getting it and getting it. But if it wasn't actually true from the beginning, it's not going to end well for you. So I think that when I had a teacher that had all these positive things for and expectations of me, I did a lot better in her class because there was a mutual respect between us. And she treated every student like that. Like She didn't actually really do the negative side of it. Um, she thought that every student could be smart enough to learn. There's no, like, for lack of a better word, like, there's no stupid kids. Like, it's just some are late bloomers and some are early bloomers. And she really would help people get you there. So when I have her in my corner and expecting me to do these things, it's almost like you don't want to disappoint them. And I think disappointment is probably the worst feeling that any kid can feel. Like, you're always trying to be put your best self forward and you're trying to be the best student you can be when you have that over there and without that type of feeling I don't think you would do as well without that's the end of my critical reflection too thanks for listening and uh, see you on Tuesday